0: Hey, y'all. Welcome in to today's show called Let's Talk Financial Aid for College. This is Dana from DAS Financial Aid Consulting Services, and I'm here, as usual, to try and help folks navigate their way through college financial aid. And there's a lot of uh, acceptance letters that are coming out. Uh, now and being received which is great and congratulations to everybody that's receiving them however now the task is how are you gonna pay to go to college and for many folks they don't have the means to pay for the college that they just got accepted to so that is where I come in to try to help you navigate how you're gonna pay for the college education that you want So, a little bit about me, again my name is Dana Anderson, I am a financial aid compliance officer, advisor for technical schools and uh, cosmetology schools across the country. Uh, That's what I do um, on a daily basis, I review college applications for that sector, and uh, I have to make sure that there's no conflicting information. On those files before I go forward to award the financial aid that the student is eligible to receive based on the EFC calculation that comes is derived from all of the questions that are asked on the FAFSA and I've noticed uh, in the most recent months that I have been uh, reviewing files Um, especially after the COVID uh, emergency was uh, declared back on March 13th of 2020. And then uh, the Biden administration took away the uh, compliance reviews uh, for the files beginning on July 13th of 2021, which continued through, uh, or was extended actually through this year as well. And that extension is going to end on June 30th of 2023, which is the end of the 2022-2023 application process uh, for the FAFSA. That's the end date and that's also the end of the um, award year for 2022-2023. So now we're starting with the 2023-2024 award year and uh, that application, the FAFSA application, also known as the free application for federal student aid became available to complete on October 1st of 2022. That application is uh, requesting 2021 federal tax information. It's also asking for any income earned from work, even if you did not file a 2021 tax return. And it's also asking for other untaxed information as well as government assistance that was received in 2021 or 2022. Now, I'm coming across quite a few files that when the FAFSA was completed, there are questions that were asked that were never answered or responded to. And uh, the majority of the files that are being reviewed Um, The conflicting information extends from anywhere from blatant tax fraud to parents not answering the marital status question um, accurately uh, to students not answering the marital status question accurately um, and it just snowballs from there. Now, I need to remind everyone that this is an application a federal application for federal funds that is funded by US taxpayer dollars. And as we all know, in the United States of America, we have an issue with regards to student loan debt. And I can tell you right now, the reason why we have an issue is because student loans are the only loans that you can apply for and not have to show ability to pay. And there is no reason why we should be awarding students that can't show ability to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to school and then all of a sudden give them a degree pat them on the back tell them good luck and oh by the way don't forget that you got to pay your student loans and those student loans are going to carry you through the rest of your entire life and those student loans your debt-to-income ratio that debt when you go to apply for a home loan, yep, that's going to be on your credit history. When you go to apply for a car loan, that's going to be on your credit history. So, you would think that all of the schools that are encouraging students to apply to go to college would also help them understand how they're going to pay for college. Because there's no sense in applying for a college if you can't pay for it. It just, it doesn't make any sense because you're out of, out, you're going to be in debt out the door from the get go and i can tell you that the majority of the students files that i do look at have past loan debt history from 10 years or more and now they're going into a totally different field of work like they never even they never finished going to school so they racked up all this debt And now all of a sudden they've decided, okay, well, we're gonna go back to school now, but you've defaulted on the debt that you racked up 10 plus years ago. And now you're expecting that debt to be forgiven, some folks are, and then you're gonna go and apply again, but you don't have any means, again, no ability to pay. Because I'm reviewing the application and I can tell you right now that the applications are coming in and there isn't even income on there. For the the poverty level that's out there right now for 2023. And a lot of the um, financial aid advisors that are working with the students one-on-one, I'm more in the back room of it. I'm like literally the back room for the schools that hire my company that I review files for. To be their their office because they don't understand the policies and procedures either. All they know is is that they can they can deal with the students one on one. They we get the file, the back room gets the file. We're reviewing the application. We tell the front room, meaning the financial aid advisor that's talking with the student at the school, what they need. Because those individuals, God bless them, aren't reading the application either. They're just depending on the back room to tell them what to do. They also don't understand, a lot of them do not understand how to read an award letter to a student. They don't understand the second page is a needs analysis that that comes from the budget that they have given us figures for to create for the amount that they're charging the student to go to school, but they cannot tell the student what they are eligible to receive unless they get direction from our office which is totally inappropriate for anybody that's in this field right now. It's basically the way you look at this industry is is that just there's folks that have never worked in with finance before they have gotten into this business which usually sometimes is directly from working at their school. They may work at their school or they may volunteer to um, help other students and, and that's how they find themselves into uh, the finan- world of financial aid. But I can tell you that uh, we would not be in this mess if everybody was as educated as they thought they were in this in this industry, I can, I can tell you right now. And again, the biggest issue is ability to pay. They're, they're not showing ability to pay for these loans. And so that's how everybody ends up in debt. And if you don't manage your debt, then you're just gonna keep increasing it and increasing it and defaulting on it if life happens and you can't pay for it. And that's how we found ourselves in the situation that we're in right now. The other thing that's pretty interesting too that I can tell you that's going on currently is um, if anybody um, has been watching the news um, with regards to this topic, is student loan debt. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a um, loan servicer called Navient. And actually, they're a current servicer for the United States Department of Education. Um, and one of the uh, lawsuits that were brought forth against Navient was for unfair debt collection practices and um, i'm finding a lot of the students that are enrolling right now that have a default loan status and that are able to get additional loans under the fresh start initiative uh, which is basically the fresh start initiative rolled out in and last year and everyone i think it was in august and basically it was stated that under the fresh start initiative The students that were in default status could simply just sign another promissory note. It's basically a blanket promissory statement that says, under the Fresh Start Initiative, I promise that I will pay the new loans that I'm taking out. And they sign this form, and they also acknowledge the fact that the default loans, they're not being forgiven. They're just going to be kicked into repayment status over to a servicer, and that servicer happens to be Navient. On the files that I'm looking at that after they've received loans on there's a new ICER that's being produced and um, new record if you will and when there's changes to a student's record the department issues what is called an ICER and it, and it just basically tells you what the, the latest and greatest status is for the student and so for the defaulted statuses those are automatically going into forbearance once they get the fresh start initiative signed and they are being uh, sent to Naviant as the loan servicer. So the government and the states sued Naviant. They had to do a settlement for students for unfair debt collection practices, but now all of a sudden they're being the servicer extraordinaire for the default loans that are going into repayment under the Fresh Start Initiative. I can't make this up, i'm i'm just telling you exactly what what's going on and if if you want to gather more information on it just google it all you got to do is google it google in navient n-a-v-i-e-n-t and the whole the whole scenario is going to come up the only thing they're not going to tell you is is that what I just gave you for information because I'm giving you backroom information from the United States Department of Education, which actually, if you want, you can access that information too. Anyone can. You go to fsapartners.org and that will come up. Uh, .gov.org, I think it is. Let me look at that. Yeah, FSA gov. Just type that in and you have access to everything that all of the financial aid professionals have access to. Uh, that is information coming directly from the United States Department of Education. So that's one uh, little piece of, uh, or one area you can access as well um, to gather information. Uh, the other area of information that you can access to is called the student aid.gov and if you go to studentaid.gov that's where all of the um, information with regards to student loans is located so let me uh, bring that up and well actually just tried to bring it up and it's not there so maybe that they're working on the site at this point in time um, but So that's a little bit of information from that. So now let's get into the FAFSA application. And um, what I would direct you to is to just simply go to 2023-2024 FAFSA, F as in Frank, A as in Apple, F as in Frank, S as in Sam, A as in Apple, You type that into a Google search or any search engine. That will bring you to the application and then you can review it in PDF form. And I highly recommend anyone that's filling out the application before you go online to fill it out, read it. It's a simple application. It's not as difficult as it's made out to be. It asks for the pertinent information that any loan application would ask. With the um, exception of the change on the 2023-2024 application, there is no gender question, which eliminates um, any um, automatic offerings for aid can no longer be offered to in individuals of gender. So if you're a male, you can no longer receive offers for from, from men exclusively. Um, for women, you can no longer receive scholarship offers because they eliminated that gender question which used to be tied to organizations that would be able to um, offer scholarships and so forth directly to the email that's provided on the um, application. So that now even um, makes more work for uh, individuals that are looking for scholarships um, and grants to go to school versus to help pay versus just relying on taking out student loans. Because I can tell you right now, the student loan amounts that are eligible for first year, that they in no way will cover expenses for first year, first year tuition. It, it doesn't cover it. Right now, the loan limits for uh, first year, you can um, request 3,500 in a sub loan, and you can request if you're a dependent student, $2,000 in an unsub without a plus denial. If you have a plus denial, that is plus denial is only good for 180 days from the date the decision is granted. It does ding the credit uh, score for the uh, parent. So you wanna make sure that uh, if the the parent is aware of that uh, so that they they know that every time they apply for a plus loan, they will, their credit score does get, um, I say dinged, but for lack of a better word, but it it does go against your credit score every time a loan application is applied for and um, there's a credit history uh, that's searched. So just so you are aware of that. um, The student is eligible if there is a plus denial um, for $6,000 in an unsub loan. So that's a total of either $5,500 $9,500. The other thing about a plus loan is, is when the parents apply for a plus loan, they go into repayment after the second disbursement is made um, and the student has not graduated yet. You do not go into forbearance um, or you cannot defer uh, the payments. Now, when it comes to a student with the sub loan, subsidized loans. The interest is accrued, but it is deferred until six months after the student graduates. When it's six months after graduation, the student goes into repayment status. That six month lag time is given so that the um, school can set up the information for the student, basically informing the area of the Department of Ed, which is known as Common Originations and Disbursements or COD in our world. Uh, they go in and, and update uh, the student's history to confirm that the student graduated, so that kicks in six months, and this, then the USDE delegates the loans out to the servicer, the servicer contacts the student, and then repayment starts in six months. When it comes to an unsub loan, the student either elects to pay the interest while they're going to school, or they can also defer it, Um, It's highly encouraged, though, that you do pay um, as you go uh, so that in the end you're not uh, getting a huge bill. Um, Because, again, uh, interest is accruing. And the interest isn't accruing at like a rate of 1% or 2%. Every year, rates are issued um, on what the rate's going to be for when the students go into repayment um and so again that information is accessible on the fsa partners.ed.gov site it comes out in an electronic announcement um and that information is then accessible again to everybody everybody that's in this uh line of work or you know now students and parents of giving you the information you can go look it up yourselves um and the one thing I do want to um, emphasize is is that I've noticed a lot of the applications when they are received in and if there's um, supporting documentation that is requested, the supporting documentation is not completed accurately. Um, I think I have pointed this out on um, a couple of my blogs um, that I have posted that there's a there's a lot of issues with regards to um, confirming identity on the uh, applications that are pulled for certain what we call verification items and again the department uh, halted if you will verification items for uh, what we call v1 and v5 flagged so what that meant was is for only the V fives and the and what they call V4s, those were to confirm the student's identity and also provide a statement of educational purpose. It's a form that gets completed. Typically, students are handwriting the information, and I can't tell you how many students have been completing these forms, and their social security numbers may contain the letter the number five and they're interchanging the number five with the letter S. And it's pretty blatant. And you can see that because the students' names usually contain the letter S, so you can tell when they're writing their name uh, he, that that is not the number five. And I can tell you that Social Security Administration you are issued a Social Security number that's numerical. There is no cha- interchanging of letters. There's, there are no letters that interchange with numbers, it just it doesn't happen. Um, so having said that, um, there are quite a few of those files that are coming in that are conflicting um, with that information because if you pull the social security card or even if you just compare it to the application. The applications, the number on the application is made up of the social security number of the student. It's also made up of the first two letters of their last name. It's also made up as to how many, um, what we call again Icers. That's the uh, result of the FAFSA application when we go to review it. If the student goes in and makes any changes, or if there's a financial aid rep that goes in and makes changes on behalf of the student and or the parent goes in and makes changes, again, that results in another ICER. And I believe you can get up to like 20 ICERs. Um, and I have seen in my 17 years of experience, there's been a few files where students are making corrections on a regular basis with more than conflicting information. Um, and you know, it's just one of those things where we are required to review these files to make sure that the information is accurate and there is no tax fraud or there is no uh, fraudulent um, information being provided on these files so that uh, you can get, the financial aid is can be provided to individuals that don't um, actually, qualify for it or deserve it, but because they provided false information, um, end up receiving it. So, all of this is uh, compliance actually is going back to normal um, as of May 12th because May 11th is the end date of the COVID emergency. So, we are going to go back to normal um, beginning uh, May 12th in the financial aid world. So those of you that are financial aid professionals that may not know this, um, be prepared that your uh, workload is about to get even more uh, arduous, if you will, uh, than it has been in these past several years because of the, um, the override, if you will, on the, uh, from the department with regards to compliance. So again, when you're filling out the 2023 2024 application, review it, read it, the link is there. And again, it's not that difficult to complete. The um, Department of Education as well as the IRS have gotten together quite a few um, years ago. And you are able to actually link your tax information directly to your FAFSA application. As long as you provide the correct information that you had on your uh, tax return at the time, meaning you have to confirm your address, your name um, that you had at the time of your 2021 application, if uh, or tax return filing. If for some reason you cannot uh, provide that information, you can skip over it. You and and put in the information from your original copy if for some reason you don't have your original copy you can contact the IRS and request an IRS tax return transcript for the 2021 award year. If you don't have your W-2s and you didn't file a tax return for 2021 And for some reason, W-2s, you lost those. You can get a wage statement from the IRS for 2021. And that will be um, something that will be needed when you go into your financial aid office. So before you make that appointment with your financial aid advisor, the first thing you wanna do is is you're gonna read over your 2023-2024 free application for federal student aid. Once you read that over um, and if you want to print it out complete that form or you can go online and complete it but I highly recommend that you take your time when you're completing it. Um, Make sure you have your tax forms available and for review and you also have your wage statements available for review and any other supporting documents that they are requesting. So the, you're going to need to confirm your identification. Make sure you have a driver's license, valid driver's license, with you, um, and also have um, your social security information as well. If if for some reason you don't know your social security number, make sure you have your card available so that you can defer to it. Um, the other information that you need to fill out is the current number of family members that are living in your household um, for parents that would, you know, qualify for the people that you're taking care of. Now, the one, um, item I will say, uh, that I have been seeing quite a bit of, uh, recently on files is, is where you have, um, families that are integrated, uh, from, uh, previous marriages. And now you have a, a, a you know, a, a step parent that's you know parents remarried. You have step parent, and you have those family members. But there may be still a couple of family members, uh, kid wise, that are living with uh, the the exes. Um, if you are paying child support or paid child support in twenty twenty one, you if you're claiming the ch- the child that you paid child support for as a family member on the application do not account for the child support paid in 2021 the reason for that is is it's considered double dipping in the uh calculation for federal aid and uh it will it will be requested to be clarified when they see the number of family members and if you answer child support paid uh for 2021 but to make sure that that is not uh, a situation where there are children being claimed for the that received the child support that was paid. I can tell you that you get a better calculation if you count the child as a family member than if you count the child support paid. Just letting you know that that's the that's how the system works, and so that's a tip from me. Um, So if you paid child support in 2021, I would recommend that you count that child who received the child support as a family member and don't include the child support paid. That's just a tip. other than that, um, make sure that your marital statuses are as of the date of application. You can't project if you're in if you're a student and you're engaged and you're in the process of planning a wedding and you know you're going to get married and you're going to be married after you complete your application. It might be better if you complete your application after you're married, or complete it now. But your marital status is going to be single which means that if you are under the age of 24 or if um, on the application you cannot answer yes that you were born before january 1st of 2000 that makes you what we call a dependent student by age and then There are a number of questions that are asked in step three that if you can answer yes to and provide documentation, then you'll be able to uh, qualify as an independent student. One of those questions are, as of today, are you married? That's question number 43 on the application. If If you can answer, as of today, are you married? then that makes you independent. But if you can't, and again, you're just engaged, then you're gonna be dependent and require your parents information on this particular application. But for the 2024, 2025 award year, you would be able to answer yes, that you are married because at that point, you probably would have already um, gone through with the wedding and the ceremony. So that is a a tip there for uh, students. Now, when it comes to parents, if if your student is dependent and with parents, if as of the date of application, your marital status um, is either uh, single or divorced or separated, and if you're in the process of uh, getting remarried, then what will happen is, is you'll answer your marital status as of the date of application. Um, but if your marital status changes during the process of the application, then you are required to update your application and your marital status. Now what that will do is include your new spouse as a, um, as a family member. You do not have to include your new spouse's. Tax information on the application per department guidelines, uh, but when your student fills out the next award year's application, your new spouse's your spouse's information will be required to go on that application as far as tax information, income, and whatnot goes. So I just want to um, clarify that and make sure everybody's on the same page. But again. The application itself is not hard. It's just a matter of reading what's being requested. And if you have any questions, there are folks that are available to answer the questions. And I know I've watched uh, several postings that have come out um, from the department through through the Federal Student Aid. And I usually see them on Facebook. And And as soon as the application is dropped on October 1st, you have parents that are trying to fill it out or students that are trying to fill it out. And all of a sudden, everybody's having a meltdown because nothing's working. And And I just have to remind everyone that we all should be used to, when programs are uh, released now, that there's always going to be a glitch. There, there's nothing that gets rolled out that is 100% perfect. Um, so And then you have the volume with it as well. But I also um, want to briefly... Uh, Go over with everyone that uh, the main reason why these applications are released as of October 1st which in the um, Government world is the first of the the beginning of the fiscal year for the new year Um, The the October 1st uh, date was provided to all uh, students and their parents to be completed as soon as possible because states have deadlines for when you can apply for scholarships and grants, and this is clearly outlined on the first page of the of the uh, FAFSA. Um, and right now, there are several states that the deadline has passed for um, applications for uh, any type of um, scholarship, but there are still uh, some states out there that are um have open um they haven't reached their deadline yet on those um applications for the um grants and so forth for the state grants or state scholarships so i I highly recommend that everybody um review the first page of the application it's right on the right hand side pay attention to any symbols listed after your state deadline Um, And then they have state deadlines and it runs all the way through all the states that offer any type of assistance to students. Um, So please make sure that you are um, reviewing that and getting your applications completed accurately. So that's a little bit of information um, with regards to what's going on um, with the application, the common errors that I'm seeing. If you have any questions feel free to contact me directly. Um, I'm going to be offering um, some uh, classes and training with regards to um, completing the FAFSA uh, with your students, also uh, student eligibility and um, college financial aid literacy is what the course is gonna be all about. It's gonna be about how you apply for a loan, uh the, the application, it's going to be what you are eligible to receive based on what school you're looking at. And also um, the tips that I know um, to get scholarships and grants and people that I can direct you to that can help you with that process as well. So um, look for that to be announced on my social media pages, which um, are under Facebook, um, under DAS, Financial Aid Consulting Services, as well as my LinkedIn page, which is under my name, uh, Dana Anderson. Uh, So thank you very much for uh, tuning in today. I hope you found uh, some of the information that I've provided useful, and I'll be looking to chat with you again next week, um, and hopefully we'll have some more updates with regards to what's going on with the student loan. Uh, forgiveness and uh, the new um, award year coming up soon. So everybody have a great weekend and I'll talk to you soon. Take care.